Our scripture this morning is Acts 1, 1 through 11. In the Bibles in your pew, it's the number 1139, page number 1139. Acts 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they meet to get, met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set for his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be with my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. God bless the reading of his word. All right, we'll see. We, we're trying a different microphone. We'll see if it does the same thing. If it blasts you out of your seats, then well, I'll change it up. But uh, <clears throat> Well, anyway, I thought we might do something a little different today. I was thinking, you know, maybe a field trip. Um, I thought we, we could all get up and, and walk. You know, it's just, what, two blocks down to West Monroe High School. And I thought we could just go down there and tear it down to the ground. What do you think? Let's go. Look, Aaron even brought his lumberjack shirt. Stand up, Aaron. <laughs> Look at this. He's ready to go. We can just follow him, and we'll go out there, and we'll just tear it down. Um, you know, just in case you haven't been by there lately, there's just a couple of glimpses of it. You know, just a small structure, and, and we could just tear that thing down. What do you think? <laughs> Now, now, probably you think pastor's lost his mind. Uh, probably you think, what did West Monroe High School do to him this week? <laughs> um, and then you probably think, well, yeah, that's not going to happen with our bare hands. Um, even if Aaron brought his lumberjack shirt, that's kind of a, a lot of bricks, <laughs> right? Um, now, now, some of you might have a truck big enough, we could just kind of get it started, <laughs> but probably it wouldn't last very long. Now, if, if I told you that I had a fleet of backhoes and bulldozers and wrecking balls waiting for us back there, then you might think, okay, now we're in business. Now we can get things done. 
Okay, that's all ridiculous, I know. Thanks for bearing with me and humoring me. <laughs> but this is sometimes how we can feel, I think, after, uh, after you hear the gospel, that Jesus lived, that he died, that he resurrected, and now if you believe in him, then you're supposed to live for him, right? And you're supposed to live the way that he taught us to live. Okay. Just look at some of the stuff that he said. I mean, it's like, really, it's like the Old Testament on steroids. I mean, he said, you've heard it said, don't murder. I'm saying, don't even, like, hate somebody in your heart. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm saying, don't even lust in your mind. And so then you're like, okay, so I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you lived. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And I believe it was grace. And I believe I was forgiven. And I believe that I have opportunity to live a new life. But good grief, where do I even start? And, and it feels impossible. It feels like you're asking me to tear down West Monroe High School with my bare hands. And, and I'm just banging my head against a brick wall here with no, little to no results. And so as we wrap up a series today that we began back before Christmas, and we've taken all this time to talk about the gospel as it was originally explained by the apostles. The gospel originally was not a set of terms of theological concepts or a track that you hand out on the street corner. It was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the telling of it. The sharing of it. It was good news that God hadn't stayed far away. He had come near. He had took on flesh as a child. Born in a... I mean, we celebrate it every Christmas, right? Born in a stable, in a manger. He took on flesh in a humble existence. He was, he was raised up. And then as he grew older, he, he eventually stepped into a mission that he believed he had been placed on this earth for. And he began to talk about himself in some pretty audacious terms. That he was in fact bringing the kingdom of God. That he was God's chosen one, God's Messiah, the Son of God. He began to do incredible things. That signs and wonders that he performed. So that people could believe that this gospel that he was living out and bringing to their doorsteps. He began to teach a different way of life. Model a different way of life. He challenged the authorities of his day and brought a fresh vision of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And then just as everyone was getting really excited about him, he turned himself over and allowed himself to be crucified, executed, so that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God. And the story didn't end there. Is on Easter Sunday we just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. As the tomb in which they had laid him was found empty. And as he began to appear to hundreds of witnesses and, and to be seen alive and experienced alive much to their dismay. In a, in a new glorious body and it, it was hard for them to understand, hard for them to relay what they had experienced. It was like nothing they had been expecting, nothing they could have expected. But he told them, you'll be my witnesses. And so we find ourselves here today, the, the descendants of faith from those that first saw and witnessed. 
And we stand here today and we say, okay, we believe that Jesus died and rose again so that we can die and rise again. But how does that work? Because clearly, Scripture doesn't think that's just a end game. It's not just something that, okay, yeah, Jesus died and rose again, so I'm going to die, and then in the resurrection I'm going to rise again. It, it's clearly something more than that as well, because our New Testament is full of conversations about how we are to live now into a new life, as we put our old life behind us and kill it, our old ways of living, and, and step into a new way of life. And a lot of us find that nearly impossible. That we feel like God and Jesus are asking the impossible of us. Sure, maybe Jesus can do it. Maybe he can live that stuff out. It's fine and dandy for him to teach this stuff. But how are we, mere mortals, supposed to live this stuff out? And so it's important that we conclude our series on the gospel with this message today that reminds us that Jesus didn't just leave us to our own devices, but he provided what we desperately needed to live the life that he made possible for us through his death and resurrection. A lot of us, we treat Christianity as a religion. Much like every other world religion treats their religion as a religion. We have certain beliefs and rituals and practices. We teach a code of ethics and morals that we strive to adhere to. And so, from the outside, looking in to our buildings, the world around us sees us as not much different than any other world religion of which they're aware. And I would submit to you today that if that's all we make this thing, then we're not much different than any other religion, at least in our practice. But that's not what we were called to. And that's not what the gospel was about. We know this because there's been no other religious leader, no other founder of a world religion that claimed the things Jesus claimed and did the things that Jesus did it's entirely unique. Our faith is not founded on just some set of ideas or on some really wise person, though we believe Jesus was really wise. Wisest. But our faith is founded on events that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that this proved something about who he was that he is, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, when you read the end of the gospel accounts, he bestows on, on his disciples, of whom we are, as I said, descendants of the faith, he bestows on them a mission, right? To go and share this gospel with the world. But Sometimes, you know, we focus on the gospel and we focus on that mission and we forget that he had a vision of what we were supposed to look like, too. I mean, otherwise, what are we exactly inviting people into? I mean, what are we inviting people to do when we go and make disciples? He had a vision for what a disciple would look like. 
and for what a group of disciples would do together. He had a vision of what that looked like and he had spent his life in ministry teaching what that looked like. And his apostles, when they carried the mission forward and they began to plant churches, they began to write letters and to teach and to say, here's what it's supposed to look like. And I think it's that part that intimidates us the most as believers and sometimes leaves us feeling defeated. So if you've ever felt defeated in your faith, then I'm glad that you're here today. And if you're still trying to sort out the whole Christianity thing, uh, then probably after today you're going to think we're crazy. <laughs> because if you think that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is hard to believe sometimes, just wait for this chapter. And yet it explains so well all that transpired in the aftermath of those events. We read in John's Gospel, words of Jesus right before he left his disciples, as he's trying to download to them the last things that they need to know. He says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now who is this Advocate? This person who works on their behalf? Jesus said plainly, it's the Holy Spirit what we now call the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And Jesus says, unless he leaves them, the Spirit cannot come, will not come. He didn't give us a lot of reasons for that. Now personally, I wish he could have stuck around and the Holy Spirit come. <laughs> but he said that wasn't an option. <laughs> so, so it's either he stays and no Holy Spirit, or he goes and the Holy Spirit comes. And he said that it's better that he go and the Holy Spirit come. A lot of us wouldn't agree with that. I've heard, I've heard a lot of us say, myself included, if Jesus was just here with us, right? If he was just sitting right there, or better yet, if I was sitting there and he was standing up here, right? If we could pull that off, if he could just come do that for us and we could touch him and hear from him and, and just experience him the way that they did, wow, what that would do for our faith. But Jesus said it's better, it's better that he not be here. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. Now we know that Jesus wasn't just talking about going away as in his crucifixion and his dying and, and because that was going away. But the Holy Spirit didn't come then. And, and that, in those dark days between Jesus' death and his resurrection, his disciples were locked up in fear of their lives in a room hiding. Then he came to them. And after he came to them, we read in Acts a little bit about what happened. And, and Acts kind of picks up where the Gospel according to Luke left off. If you read the beginning of the Gospel according to Luke and you read the beginning of the Gospel according to Acts, you find out that they're written by the same person to the same person or group of people. They, they both are introduced the same way. Uh, they both say, you know, my dear Theophilus, which means 
lover of God. And so we don't know if there was a person named Theophilus that this was being written to or if it was being written for those who love God. But he says at the beginning of Acts, you know, that he had already shared in his first volume about what Jesus did. His life, death, and resurrection. And now he's writing this second volume to record the launch of the church, the Acts of Jesus' Apostles after Jesus had ascended. And so in Acts 1, we read about the ascension of Christ, where Jesus went away like he promised in the verse we read a moment ago from the Gospel of John, where he said, I'm going to have to go away, but I'm going to do that so I can send my spirit, send an advocate, send the Holy Spirit. And so here we read, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, appeared to them over a uh, period of 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was going to be a new moment, a new life, a new day that would dawn. And they were to wait for it. So they waited. They waited for the city, in that city, in in Jerusalem, where all those events had just transpired. Where the council that had put Jesus to death was still active, (laughs) residing. They were to wait. And they waited. And another festival, like the Passover festival at which Jesus was betrayed and crucified, took place. And all those Jews from all over the countryside came back to Jerusalem for another festival. All those who had witnessed what had happened in Jesus' death Perhaps many of them that had waved palm branches as Jesus entered the city. Perhaps many of them that had yelled, crucify him. They would come back to the city again. And as they came back to the city, something amazing happened. Jesus had promised them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said that, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight and left them waiting. Sometimes we think of heaven. It's way off there somewhere. Like there's a a location somewhere next to a star in outer space where God has his throne and Jesus is sitting way out there somewhere and if we pray loud enough, (laughs) maybe it'll get there. From what I understand, the words that Scripture uses, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when it talks about heavens, the heavenly realm versus the earthly realm, it's the spiritual realm versus the physical realm. It's, you know, instead of things we can touch and earth we can step on, it's the space between it. I don't believe that God is far away. It doesn't add up with what you read in Scripture. But Jesus was taken up into thin air. 
into the atmosphere, as it were, into the space between things, into a different dimension or realm in which God lives and dwells and is. And they waited, and at last the Spirit which they, he had promised would come on them at the right time, on that day of Pentecost, came. And they tried to describe that first moment in which the Holy Spirit came. And they said, it sounded as though there were a mighty rushing wind. They didn't say there was a mighty rushing wind. I just thought I'd point that out. Sometimes when you see, like, a, if you see a video or something depicting Pentecost, everyone's hair's blowing around crazy, you know. It just said it sounded as though there was a mighty rushing wind. And then they said it, it looked like there were flames. It doesn't say that there were flames, but just something like flames over each person. It looked kind of like that. You can tell that it was something they had no reference for. The experience, the, the sounds and the sights of the moment in which the Holy Spirit came in power on that day of Pentecost was like nothing they had experienced before. And so they struggled to describe it. So it was kind of like this. It was kind of like that. And they began to preach with boldness. These people who had been closed up in hiding and just waiting and they began to preach with boldness and suddenly all these people who had gathered began to hear their message in their native tongues not because the disciples had been uh, studying up on languages during those 40 days <laughs> but because the Holy Spirit somehow enabled them to speak and for it to be heard in each person's language. So that they could receive this gospel. And on that day, because of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 believed and were baptized into the church family. And we have the launch of the church. Jesus, the mission that he left the church, and the vision that he has for your life, and for my life are impossible. Every bit as impossible as us going down there, uh, even with Aaron's lumberjack shirt, and tearing down West Monroe High School. Even, it's just not possible with our bare hands. Try as we may. You need power to do things that would otherwise be impossible. And that's exactly what Jesus promised, and that's exactly what Jesus delivered. So I want to challenge you today not to settle for all religion and no power. A lot of people do it. It's easy for me to fall into that rut sometimes. We live in a culture that is not necessarily all that comfortable with things like the supernatural or the spiritual. We live in a, in a physically minded society. That, you know, we, we think in terms of, of science and technology and there's a, there's a medical explanation for everything and there's just a step one, two, three you follow and you 
have success, right? Uh, not just in medical and health issues, but in life, in your jobs, in your families, right? If you're having trouble, um, then you go see a counselor and they'll tell you step one, two, three to do. Or you buy a book and the book tells you step one, two, three to do. And all those things are helpful and good. But sometimes in our society, we make that like that's it. That's how you do this thing. That, you know, if you want to be a, a successful Christian in your faith, in your life, then read the Bible, show up to church and listen to the preacher, buy a book. There's tons of them. Listen to Christian radio. And you'll be on your way. Because those are going to give you all the tips. I mean, I'm going to give you the tips today. And you can just take it and go and make it happen. Right? Just start living it out. And, and then we get frustrated. As we try to do, you know, every week you come back here and I tell you something else to do. <laughs> and then you go and you, uh, those of you who are, are, you know, my prize pupils, you go out and then you try to make it happen, you know. And then you come back again for more. And after a while that can feel overwhelming. This long list of things that you can't even keep it all in front of you all the time. You can't even keep all the balls in the air. You're just, you're trying to juggle and, and make this faith thing work. And it's just a lot. And it feels impossible to live up to the standard of the vision that Jesus has for your life and for the church. And so I say to you, don't settle for all religion and no power. And I apologize if I've ever made it sound like this is dependent on your efforts. The grace of God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus didn't just resurrect and go away, but he resurrect, went away, so he could send his power to be at work in your life and mine. There's a lot I don't understand about how all that works. There's a lot about God that I don't profess to fathom. <laughs> I don't get it all. But I'm increasingly trying to trust that there's power available to me because Jesus went away. And the same power that he made available to his apostles on that day is available to me. Now sometimes we wring our hands and we say, why doesn't it look like that? Why doesn't it feel like that? I don't profess to understand all that either, but I will mention this. I haven't run across anywhere else in the New Testament where it says the Holy Spirit came like rushing wind and appeared like flames over their heads. There are several instances where the Holy Spirit comes and it looks different. It doesn't always look the same. And the Holy Spirit doesn't always do the same stuff in the same ways. Imagine that, a God who isn't just a formula and doesn't do things the same way all the time. That's your experience is a little bit different than their experience and he gives this one a gift and gives this one a different gift and in a different way and a different experience. And, and so, yes, here we are in, in our society and we wonder why we don't see the Holy Spirit 
moving in the same way. And there may be a lot of reasons for that. But at least one is that the Holy Spirit works in different ways at different times with different people. But he was promised to everyone who puts their faith in Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. I think one of the problems is we don't think that we need it. At least we don't live like we need it. So my challenge to you today, besides not settling for all religion and no power, is to ask you a question. What are you attempting? What are you trying to do right now in your life that is forcing you to rely on God's power? What huge building are you trying to tear down with your bare hands in your life right now? We're called to have victory over sin. To put to death any way in our life that is not God's way. That's because those ways are destructive. And God's ways are life-giving. But that's a big challenge. What sin are you trying to put to death in your life right now? Are you tackling that jealousy that you deal with from time to time? Are you tackling just that selfish pride that makes you so defensive every time someone says anything that offends you? Are you tackling that that lust problem that seems to have a a chokehold on you? Or that greed problem where there's never enough money? What is it in your life that you're trying to put to death right now and you just can't do it on your own? You've tried and failed too many times to count. What are you working on right now that would require God's power to accomplish it? You know, we do have a mission to go and to make disciples. And sometimes that one feels pretty impossible. I think especially in our culture today that's so closed off to the gospel or they assume they've already heard it or, you know, the list goes on. How do we get through to people? People that we love that if we talk to them about it, it seems to go in one ear and out the other or we don't talk to them about it because we don't want to jeopardize the relationship and Who is it in your life? A friend or a family member who you'd love to see them connect with God and find their put their faith in Jesus and in his life, death, and resurrection, and, and you'd love to share that with them, but you just don't know how, and they just don't seem ready to receive it, and it just feels impossible. What are you trying to do right now? Who are you trying to reach right now that would require God's power to make it happen? Jesus, when you read about his life and all that he did, clearly came to take back what hell had stolen. And when we look around our world, we see so much 
that hell has stolen in our world, things that human lives in wreck, in wreckage, just in ruin. You know, our prisons are full of people in a bad way. The homes in our neighborhoods are filled with families that are broken and hurting. There's poverty that we deal with. There's just endless issues, it feels like. And, and where does the church begin to take a stand on these things? And what can a, you know, a church like us do against the gates of hell? Right? What are we trying to do that would absolutely require God's power for it to happen? There's another thing Jesus prayed for us, and it may be one of the most impossible things of all. He prayed that we would be one, unified, as He and the Father are one. And you look around our community and each church kind of off doing their own thing and you just kind of wonder, what's that supposed to look like? And you turn on the news and you see the liberals and the conservatives at each other's throats and just feels as polarized as ever. Racial tensions seem to be on the rise and we all have our reasons for why we think those things are happening. But we live in a very ununified culture and at times the church has been very, uh, has fallen quite short, right, of that vision that Jesus had for us to work together and sometimes even in our own little church families where we're really kind of a lot alike in a lot of ways, we still have trouble sometimes being as unified as Jesus seemed to have wanted us to. So what bridge are we trying to build? What person are we trying to embrace that we'd rather not? What efforts towards unity are we making that would require God's power? The Holy Spirit in me is what gives me victory over sin. The Holy Spirit in and around us is what will reach those. He's the one who will break down the barriers to the people that we're trying to reach with the gospel. He's the one that will empower us to take back what hell has stolen. He's the one who will make us one. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that makes us one. The same Spirit living and working in my life is the same Spirit living and working in your life. And so we are sons and daughters of God. And so we are brothers and sisters and co-heirs with Christ. And so we are one with one Lord. So I want to encourage you. Don't settle for all religion and no power. And believe, believe that in fact, Jesus was right. That it's better that he left. That he's not standing here in my place today. Because 
Because of the fact that he is not standing here in this place today, he can be in you and in me and all around us. We are in him just as he is in the Father. And he is in us if we believe and have faith. Heaven forgive us for forgetting that. I want to encourage you as I close with words of Jesus that he said to his disciples before he left. These are found in the Gospel of John chapter 14. You can find them there later if you want to follow along. But right now I would ask that you close your eyes and that you hear these words of Jesus as though they were spoken to you. For he was, they were spoken to his disciples. And if you are his disciple today, they are spoken to you. And so put your... Put your name in the blank. When he says you, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to us. And he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Father, we thank you for the promise of your Spirit. Us in you and you in us. We confess that we've made Christianity a religion in many ways. And we have this tendency to attempt things that we can do in our own strength. And so we don't rely on your power as we should. Holy Spirit, we want to see Jesus. We want to live in his power and have his power in us so that we can please you, so that we can do the work you prepared for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.